Welcome back, everybody. I am having a lot of fun with pre-chat with Eddie Liu. You know Eddie as Henry Yan from Kung Fu on CW. If you have not watched Kung Fu on CW, click right below this video and go watch it. Welcome to the program, Eddie Liu. Thanks for having me, Alan. Uh, dude, it's uh, it's so great. I'm really enjoying the show. Uh, it's 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 one of those shows. Again, I I uh, we'll talk about martial arts in a second. All of my audience knows I can't shut up about martial arts, but uh, for me, as soon as I saw that there's a Kung Fu show and, you know, one of my favorite all-time shows, Warrior, uh, we don't have anything to watch because we're waiting and finally they got approved for season three. Yes. Yep. Um, and, you know, Kung Fu is there. Like, yes, we're watching Kung Fu. And then you get into it and then it's a little bit like, okay, do I want to stay? And then you start getting into really interesting topics that are outside of Kung Fu that deal with LGBTQ issues that deal with, uh, um, you know, violence against Asians. If anybody is watching this and they want to do harm to Asians, fuck you, stop watching. Seriously. Uh, yeah, it, come on, man. Uh, so you got me on that. You got me on, uh, on you know, the, the BLM issue kind of. You're not shying away from dealing with issues. And that's where... Kind of the show really started uh, uh, getting me, uh, and then you know the last episode. If you haven't, by the way, uh, if spoilers ahead, right? So just be warned. And then the last episode, boom. Well, you may be the rightful owner to the sword anyway. What? Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's. Yep. This is good. Let's see where this is going, <laughs> and then yeah. we'll see if uh, if you know Henry is getting something else. Any more surprises on that side? So like the show keeps getting me involved more from different angles than I expected it. And that's uh, that's one of the reasons I'm really enjoying it. Um, what was it like, getting to my long-winded question, what was it like actually being a part of the process? How much of the kind of plot and the turns you knew in advance versus as an actor, you may not find out until, you know, the, the latest uh, uh a script that you're getting in the morning right before a shoot. Um, there's so much that we found out in real time where we would all get the scripts together. So yeah. the reveal of her lineage and things like that, that was so much fun to find out mm -hmm. together. Like we didn't know those things. Most of us didn't know those things. I think Kang knew early on. Okay. Um, we each, because so many of these characters have their own individual secrets. We each had individual mean individual meetings with our showrunners, Christina and Bob, and they were very open about like, hey, this is do you want to know your own backstory? And for a lot of us, we said, yes, we do want to know what secrets we're hiding, because that's this way we can live with it longer. And then when it comes time to perform it, you yeah, it, it makes sense for the execution of the scenes. And I guess there were some secrets that we probably could have if we wanted to know about, say, Olivia's secret or Kang's secret or rather Nikki and Maylee. Like, right. that, that's probably something that we could have asked, but like we wanted in on the fun of not knowing and finding out just like the audience. Yeah. Thankfully, we don't get the, the scripts last minute. Um, that does happen a lot in television. Um, there are shows that you'll get it, like, like you said, like the morning of and, and you know, that's something that actors have to contend with. And it's such a hard thing to be like, wait, you just learned the words and now you have to act it? Like, oh my God. So thankfully that's not our situation. Thankfully we got our stuff uh, uh, in advance for sure. And we have time to sit and breathe with it. Um, so between finding out that information, 
and then the turnaround to putting it on camera, like there is some space. Um, yeah, like the lineage, didn't know that. But also kind of like looking at it like, oh, wow, that actually makes a ton of sense. Like, I think uh, we have some fans who are very smart. Like they got some great theories that I've seen floating around on the internet. Um, you know, one uh, one one commenter was like, hey, as soon as she saw the, the scar in her hand, she kind of knew yeah. that that was like, I think she's destined to wield the sword or or it's it's there is a connection that there's more than meets the eye there it's not just a a, an arbitrary thing that burned her you know um i knew about henry's backstory early on uh i was able to ask some questions because it also kind of has to do with like basic questions like like my car where did i get this car from why do i because i don't really henry doesn't really need, need one he 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 lives in chinatown he this is the university that he works and teaches at is all right there. Like, so, you know, simple questions like that, like that are just kind of useful to know. Yeah. Uh, it's, I'm, I'm with you. It's, it's so much fun to find out. I would, uh, again, I would want to know my backstory. I do not want to know anybody else's because oh, where's the fun I'm, in that? Huh? Where's the fun in that? Exactly. Yeah. I want to be there. I want to discover it as, as it's happening in the scene. I want to be reacting you know, naturally to the circumstances, I don't want to have more things that I have to, it's like, okay, act surprised. I, I, there are too many things going on anyway with the lighting and the, and the marks and all that stuff that I have to pay attention to. All the technical um, stuff. That was, um, I always knew that that was always going to be a dance that you had to figure out between the actor, the camera and everything else. But um, that sometimes you can't help, like you're in the middle of a really intense scene and there's that bulb right there hanging over your scene partners you know it's it's all that fun unsexy stuff that like uh, I, I always kind of laugh whenever I see a tv show being made in a tv show like yeah. whether it's like entourage or bowfinger or like it nothing makes the industry less attractive to me than seeing a show or a movie get made on a tv show or a movie because it looks ridiculous you're like you sometimes because I love my job but some, sometimes you take a step back and Olivia and I will say say this to each other. We're like, yo, acting is weird. Very. Like, and I'm not, we're not talking theater where it's a very organic, like curtain to curtain. You have this living, breathing experience on the stage and you share with the audience and then it's over. It's like on-camera acting is a very weird, odd process. And you have. It's a lot, it's, of, it's a lot of sausage making. Yeah. And it's shot out of sequence and. You have to understand all of the different types of coverages that you're shooting. And is this a wide? Is this a medium? You know, are we doing a close-up? Is this a yeah. real close-up? Where I you know, like, where where am I looking? If it's a real close-up, like how much off-camera do, do I be? Like all of that stuff. Sometimes I can't even look at my scene partner. Sometimes my Olivia's head is like we're we're being eclipsed by the camera because she's standing yeah. like behind the camera op. You know, um, all. <laughs> It's, it's really it's really cool to to learn and see how that's done and and like what is done on set and does not often reflect what is seen on, on uh, in the final product and like that transition is is it's it, it is quite magical sometimes you know you can you do get a sense of that in spite of how odd and technical everything can be sometimes. But it's it's cool and I'm glad you guys were in the bubble. Uh, it's a weird thing to say and uh, I you know two years ago we neither of us would have known what we we're talking about. But 
you guys really kind of started shooting. Uh, you were shooting in Vancouver, which is cool. I love Canada. Uh, and then because kind of everything shut down around you, you got to really be close. I know, you know, you and Olivia were friends already. I know you and, uh, and Shannon were friends already, but um, I think that brought you closer. And I had the same thing with, uh, with the family as their family from Warrior. Uh, they were just away in South Africa shooting. So they became yeah. a family because they were just on their own. I, I think you yeah. guys have a little bit of that happening too. Exactly. Um, as terrible as the pandemic has been for so many people in so many ways, um, there is still some good that came of it. And in our case, it brought us closer. Like we, you know, we got to do family potlucks and that's cool. And not have to carry the burden of the loneliness and the the enormity of what we're working on together like that wasn't a burden that we needed to carry on our own and and thank goodness we were able to lean on each other all of us um to, in, in that way because it's for a lot of us this is a this is a very new thing like for a lot of us this is our first series you know some of us have been around the block like ty and king and and gavin he's you know he's worked very successfully on, on other stuff and and some of us have had guest stars and co-stars and other jobs, but this is, for a lot of us, this is our first mm -hmm. series. And with that comes so much opportunity and so much responsibility and, and baggage in a lot of ways that, um, that they don't teach you in acting school. You know, when you come out to a place like LA or when you move to New York, you, you study acting, you study how to be a good theater actor and you learn to repeat and you learn sense memory and stuff, but nobody teaches you all the weird shit that comes with being a television actor. It bothers me a lot. It bothers me a lot. You don't know how many actors I talk to, and this is what, you know, we're getting close to 200 actor interviews. Uh, and you have actors who we've seen everywhere. And these poor boys and girls get out of the incredibly expensive and well-known uh, New York uh, acting schools, and they don't know how to get to a mark. And they get on their first show, and they're told, "Hey, you can stand here." And you know, she basically, one of the actresses says, "What? What's a mark?" And they laugh it off. Oh, you're funny. That's so cute. And she's like, "Okay, I'm not. I'm gonna pretend like I know what I'm talking about. But what the hell is a mark? Like, yeah. really? You spend so much time in these institutions, and they can't tell you." what a you know how to get headshots how to get a, an agent or a manager because a showcase is not enough there's a no. whole world out there like what are you doing if you're not helping people actually get a job and be successful at it what's the point yeah yeah i know that was a concern that we talked about it was a topic of conversation that came up in our school and like thankfully in a, in my last semester at my acting school um i went to the uh, esper studio in new york mm -hmm. and in your if you're in the two-year program once you're in the second year you can start taking auditioning technique classes uh, there's a monologue class that you can take where you can work on that and i've literally never auditioned with a monologue i think maybe i know i think only <laughs> once in la but to they always tell you keep keep two in your back pocket usually usually the monologue is to the agent audition that's really all i've ever done it for i've not done it for anything else right right and and so we, we started getting the the beginning tools of how to even broach the, the the new level of like okay you leave the you leave the safe space that is acting studio where you can feel and touch yourself and cry on each other and it's great and you need that 
then you have to do a hard transition out of that neighborhood. You have to leave. Yeah. And, and or, or at least find the next level of community that offers you that same level of safe space to experiment and play and try and fail and fuck up. But like, you got to learn how to audition. So like, you're talking about that, that actress who didn't know what a mark was. Yeah. She's lucky she even got on set. Like there are actors who don't know what it is to audition for a high caliber, like TV gig, a television gig. Um, you know, that's, in spite of all their training, they don't, to even be able to walk in a room and execute a decent audition where the world didn't fall apart around you, um, you know, that's that's something that a lot of people have yet to achieve. And mm -hmm. once they achieve that, like, congratulations, like, honestly, like, in, in all earnesty, like, in all earnestness, like, once you get to that point and you can walk out without feeling like you didn't tank your career, like, mm -hmm. fucking good job. Like, hang on to that and build off of that. Yeah. Uh, it's what, what a lot of people don't know that outside of the industry is that, you know, you hear actors get a lot of rejection. It's not the rejection. It's not hearing anything because that's mostly what you're getting. You're just yeah. not hearing anything. You drive for an hour and a half to the audition, like I do in Chicago. You yeah. sit there for another half an hour, maybe longer. Then you get your two minutes and then they say, thank you. And you leave and you drive an hour and a half back thinking, Fuck, I could have done better. And yeah. then you hear nothing. That's what yeah. acting is like most of the time. And then you have some like cousin or aunt or like friend who's like, oh yeah, so did you hear back? No, I didn't hear. You're yeah. not supposed to. I know. How did it go? I don't want to think about it. I don't fucking know. We came and it went. I don't know. I left. And there was no, they didn't offer me a check. They didn't, you know, mm -hmm. it's uh again, what a weird industry. What a weird business. There's no hug at the end of it. It's like, oh, Eddie. There's no high you, five. You booked, you booked it. That's it. I'm calling the producer. You got the job. I'm going to tell everybody else that's waiting to audition. Yeah. They can go home because you got it. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, not even, like a, not even like a, hey, Alan, that was really great. Let me give you three things to work on yeah. so that you could take this with you and build off this. There's no time. And, yeah. and I know somebody is going to listen to this and be like, wow, these casting people, like, Oh, no hearts and they're soulless and they don't give you any feedback. How could they not do that? They're but when you work on, if you were to work in casting, you'll see how pressed for time. It's like the cycle that we as actors go through. Casting is going through that. Producers are going through that. Writers have their own shit storm to deal with, especially yeah. if they're already in the room in production for a show that's already on the air. And they have to turn into new pages by tonight for network and studio approval and the other head producer, the other head EP who hasn't put his eyes on it yet. Like, Every, it's a it's a it's a rat race for everybody constantly yeah. and and we make it so much about us all the time like little old me didn't hear back didn't get feedback on that audition mm. and it's like i i empathize I've, I've i've gone through that plenty in my in my career but like there's just no time it's the same thing with like these acting schools not being able to equip every single one of their actors with knowing how to pursue the business of acting or how to be a professional actor after the school or after the program ends there's not enough time. Like there are so many people who I've talked to who I'm like, bless their hearts. Like I, I love that they're ready to commit to the pursuit of yeah. the career. Yeah. But having been in say class or another scenario with them, I also kind of know like, oh, maybe you're just, you're not ready yet either. Like everybody's on their own timeline. Like I know that there were a lot of things that I wasn't ready for. And I was really heartbroken about missed opportunities and jobs that I, I got rejected from. But it was also like, was I really getting rejected? Like, I just wasn't ready. It wasn't mine. It was somebody else's turn.
like that all these jobs that I didn't get, I bemoaned it and I was, you know, and I I I, I mourned the, the loss of some of these jobs, but the, the the person who got the thing that I auditioned for, it belonged to them. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. Okay. I would be a, a terrible interviewer if I didn't ask you about some of the jobs that you lost and that you were, you know, mourning. So uh yeah. can you share any of them? There was one um pilot uh uh, there was a couple of Marvel things that um, that I didn't tell you that I auditioned for, but like, because, right. you know, we're not supposed to. So I didn't tell you that I did it, but Got there it. were some things that I, there were, there were some things that I really wanted and uh, that I had the opportunity to read for. And like, like just kind of being like, what was me? What, what, what was I missing? You know? Yeah. And then comparing myself to the person who I eventually saw on screen who got it and being like, what am I? And then a lot, and a lot of, and not just that, but like in, in general, a lot of jobs where I did eventually see it and being like, whoa, I'm nothing like that guy. Mm -hmm. There's, you could not have taught me how to be like that because he is that and I am this. Yep. And they wanted that. So again, it's not me being rejected. It's him getting accepted. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah. There was one pilot uh, a couple of years ago that I loved. It was like this, he was a bit of a wise ass, really smart um you kind of didn't know whether you could trust him or not. And he was, uh, it, it was in this fictional world where the, the United States had fractured into two separate countries and they had split in the middle of uh, the Midwest. And so okay. you had these people running back and forth and um, looking back on it now would have been a little too hyper real, but, uh, but it was like one, one country was a little more conservative and the other country was more liberal. Each had their own problems. Yeah. Um, but the but the character that I was reading for, I loved him because you could, you didn't know if he was a good guy or a bad guy. He clearly had his own self serving interests, but he wanted to help the main character because the main character had like wanted to see his daughter, but his daughter lives in the other country. Yeah. So, um, and I tested, I read for that like a couple of times, but as I as the process went on, I came to learn that it really wasn't about me there were so many notes coming from left and right from the streaming platform that was going to do it. And then the writer, I think really liked me, but like he's getting all these notes from other people. So it, 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 that was a good learning experience of like, Hey dude, it's not just about you, the actor. It's there's so many wheels turning. And the most of the time that's not. But uh, as, yeah. as someone, uh, I know you've done a lot of commercial work. Uh, yeah. That's the other part that I wanted to touch upon. And then we'll, for those of you who are watching for us to talk about Kung Fu show, we'll get there just right after this. Um, but in terms of your commercial work, what I find the most hilarious is that for commercial work, they're putting you through such a ringer for a lot of roles that don't require any acting or any speaking. And you're going through so much acting crap that they're having you memorize like five pages of lines. And yeah. I'm for what you're know, just and then yourself that's all my, you're doing. i i uh i take it as a what do you call it uh a rite of passage that um yeah. i like many la actors have you know I, I before the pandemic i i was working in a gym in, in in west hollywood and i can't tell you how many countless times numerous times i, I can't keep track of that i would have to i would get an appointment um on the west side like in santa monica at like two or three p.m. and I had a client to train at like four or five p.m. So I have to yeah. head there just before rush hour. I could see the car. I could see the traffic building up coming back east as I'm driving west. 
And then I do the appointment and sometimes the waiting room is a, is a, is a crapshoot. Like it's like over an hour, you know, before you get in there now, not only am I kind of shaking off the, did I, did I royally screw up or did I nail it or, but like, you kind of can't even, that's even literally impossible to quantify for yourself. Uh, I, maybe like I went in and they'll, they'll be like, tell us your favorite fall activity. I like football. I like watching football. My name is Eddie Lou. Thanks so much for bringing me in, you know? And then you leave. That was the audition because it's going to be some MOS thing where they didn't need you to say any lines. They just need you to act like a normal person and you needed some nameless, faceless entity who is the client who liked your look. That's kind of, and then a, bit, a bunch of other business decisions that had nothing to do with you. And now I'm driving back in traffic in rush hour on the 405 or the 10 coming back. People in LA will understand this. And then I have to go back to WeHo to train and be like, sometimes I text my, text my client, like, hey, I'm coming back from an audition and I will, I might be five minutes late. And that was my life for like years. Um, and again, that's like the rat race of it all. And that, that happens a lot. And not just, not just commercials, but like a lot of TV auditions are like that too. Yeah, the co-stars. But, but now, but now in the post-pandemic, now we can do the Zoom thing. Um, right, right behind this here. Here's, here's the yeah. sausage and how it's made. You see that? That's Gorgeous. my yeah, that's my hey, stream. So everybody watching, if you can if you are an aspiring actor and you're getting into it now, like the sooner you can put that shit up and get this what Alan has going on, the better. Like honestly, that is that's there is not a lot to do, seriously. Right? So there's there's my you know, there's my room. Here's one light, there's the camera, here's the other light, and here is your screen. This whole setup, you know, cost Probably about one hundred and fifty dollars. Uh, Great, not you got the lights. The camera is more expensive, but yeah, yeah. And the magic that you can create within that space under that budget, like if your talent and your skills and your um, everything else are there, um, like you can, you can, and you have say maybe you need like good reps or whatever, you can fucking compete if all these, if some of these technicals, if you have the basement of this in order. Pretty much, yeah. It, it doesn't take a lot. You just need to do it and continue doing it. And you know, intimidates the crap out of me. Have you seen breakdowns or auditions from Atlanta? Yeah, I've I've done. I've done a you, bunch. You you audition or you put yourself on tape for Atlanta. Every now yeah. and again, I'll see it. Or even if it's not for me, I'm helping like my girlfriend or I'm helping a friend tape for something that shoots in Atlanta. And yeah. what surprises me and always kind of throws me off is seeing how many self tape instructions there are. Yeah. Like must be medium frame, must be good, well lit, blah blah blah. And I'm like getting nervous. I was like, oh my god, like, am I gonna screw this up if I had to tape this? I'm like, wait, I fucking know how to do this. Why am I getting nervous? It's because there's so many people in that those markets who are who don't know these basic rules and don't know how to make a good tape. Yep. And I'm getting um, self conscious as if I'm gonna be a bad story or as if I'm gonna bad if I'm gonna get a bad grade on it. And like, no, no, and, it's for the people who who don't quite know. And the casting directors do not agree on what background you should have. The only thing that they agree on is make sure there's enough light, make sure people can hear you and see you properly, and make sure the background is not busy. Other than that, it really doesn't matter. Because I've talked to, I've interviewed casting directors on this show, and I specifically asked them what color background. None of them gave the same answer. Everybody yeah. wants something else. So just keep it clean, don't worry about it, you're fine. I think okay for the listeners. If you if you don't give a shit about kung fu or 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 anything else that we have to say, here's what I've whittled down over the past years of X amount of years that I've been doing this. 
it's never really about the one thing. It's more like you hear all these rules that came, these parameters that got passed along to you over time because so many people were screwing these things up that these things had to kind of come up. If you do anything well enough, if the overall composition of your audition product or anything like that is good enough, the little things don't really matter. Like the color of your background, if your if your lighting is just a shade too dark for one particular person's taste. Like, if you are the if you are the character and you bring that those words to life, and also they can tell that they can trust that you are gonna be a professional on set, and they can trust you to be working on that set for that week on that episode with opposite the leads of the show and not be some crazy Holly weirdo. That's already so much that that can put you in honest contention. But we get so precious. We get hung up on, Oh my God, the light switches and thing. I have to tell my friends all the time. Like that's not the reason you didn't get the job. Right. You know, it's everything else. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not your reader who's being a little too loud, right? It's not none of those things. It's, what are you going to do when you get in the room and your reader is too soft or not giving you the moments that you rehearse with your scene partner? Yeah. You know what I mean? And now we don't have that. Now we have, I mean, now yeah. I, I, I sort of, I used to think that if you had a reader that was off camera and you had like the phone that was just off to the side, like I used to think that that was terrible and I never at all cost wanted to do that. Um, but but that is the the going practice yeah. now. And that's normal yeah. and that's okay because everyone gets it because pandemic yeah uh i'm lucky my daughter is my reader uh my daughter you know she's uh, she's done acting as well so it's more of hey you know honey come in here uh, i'm gonna boss you around make sure that <laughs> you record things yeah. properly uh, and yeah. uh that's it so i'm i'm lucky okay kung fu thank you those of you who are sticking around who uh were listening to all the acting stuff that we just wanted to talk about because we're acting um so in terms of the show yeah um the kung fu obviously has martial arts in it and i like that you are starting to include more and more uh martial arts people in the show in addition to the cast you know gary daniels was just on by the way for me knowing gary daniels i don't know him personally but you know watching gary daniels for 20 years knowing you know this this is the guy with tremendous martial art pedigree that continues, uh, you know, hitting a 200 pound or 400 pound, you know, steel bearings on a, on a daily basis because that's how you practice. When he was fighting Nikki, I'm like, okay, suspend disbelief, suspend disbelief, suspend yeah. disbelief. Yeah. So, but Gary Daniels was on, uh, you know. Um, that's Moody as real as a martial artist I've ever seen. Like a, like a pure true martial artist the man who who lives and breathes it and loves to train every day he doesn't do it because he's an actor who has to learn it on the side like he lives and breathes it that's yeah it's his his stuff and that's why i'm like there are martial artists and there are enthusiasts i'm an enthusiast yeah. i've been that yeah. my whole life yes i know how to do some things but i am not a martial artist gary yeah. daniel is a martial artist that's martial that's, artist yeah. George is so, St. Pierre. He is a uh, martial yeah. artist. Yeah. Not just a yeah. fighter. He's he's awesome. Uh did he unretire again? I I, I don't know if, uh, if I, I think heard so. Okay. I think so. I I, I kind of can't keep track. It's been keeping track of sports for me has definitely like I've fallen out of that as I got older and 
And I love that they brought it. My life focus became paying bills and I watching sports be kind of fell by the wayside. And and they brought him back. I love how he was in in the in the um, uh, uh, oh like in Falcon Winter Soldier. Yeah, they they brought that him was back. Great. Like, Wait a second, they they killed him. I remember I remember before. Didn't he get killed? I think he got killed. He didn't get killed. He, he escaped. He escaped. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, I just remember that fight uh, fight with him and Cap. Uh, yeah. So, but anyway, uh, he was he's he's good. Uh, your martial arts background. Because we see you doing Tai Chi, and then we see you actually doing uh, Kung Fu. What is your background? What did you practice? Because the first, the first fight where we kind of saw you, uh, and you just threw, you know, you just threw a block. I'm like, okay, and he's for real. He knows what he's doing. This is not Thank just you. a guy who they taught some choreography to. What, what is your martial arts background? Well, they did have to teach me the choreography too. It was a lot of uh, micro tuning and a lot of like. Um, adjusting along the way and um last minute choreo changes and by changes i mean like you know uh brett chan uh uh was was a stunt coordinator on that and he's like he's like Wait. okay so three chain punches then you throw like five or six now yeah brett chan from warrior brett is uh is on the on kung fu i didn't even know that yeah yeah brett was with us for for the first almost halfway through the season but then he got a huge opportunity to go uh a uh, second unit direct on a, on a big thing which I don't know if I'm allowed to say here. Uh, out of caution, I will not. I will abstain from saying the name, but yeah. it, it's a huge freaking thing that he got to the second unit direct on, and our showrunners were like, "Brett, you got to go. You got to take that. Like, good for you, man. Congratulations." Yeah. And, you know, we miss Brett's him, but like, happy awesome. for him. Yeah, and then yeah. Um, the other coordinators on Kung Fu already were filled in, stepped in seamlessly, and and took on the rest of the uh, uh, season. And um, you know, when I say small adjustment, Brett was just like, no, instead of three, I need you to throw like five or six chain punches. And for me, yeah. in my mind, I was like, oh, shit. Ah, like, what does that look like? I don't know. Um, my background, I think I studied, I was taking Chinese lessons uh, in, in, in an after school program years ago when I was like six or something like that. And they had Kung Fu as like a supplementary thing you could do for like once a week. So it was very, very light Kung Fu training. I didn't really didn't learn all that much, but I didn't really start the serious martial arts training until my brother and I started Kempo Karate uh, when I was nine. Um, and I did that for like five-ish years, I think. Something like four or five-ish years. Like I got a, I got a, got to third degree brown belt in that. Um, and then when I was 13, my family and I happened upon, we just kind of stumbled. We, we knew, we watched a documentary on like Discovery Channel or something like that. And they were covering the Shaolin Temple Overseas Headquarters in Flushing, Queens. Hmm. The head instructor or the, the head guy was, uh, uh, how do we pronounce his name? Uh, on, in like Americanized Chinese, like Shi Gulin, uh, or we say Guolin Sifu. Um, he, at the time, he was next in line to be the next head abbot of the temple in China. Um, hmm. uh, not anymore, but like, uh, but he, he, so then the, I, we, my brother and I went there for, even my sister, we went there for like three years. Um, throughout all throughout high school like i didn't have a social life it was just like every weekend saturday sunday all day my mom yeah. uh thank goodness for her she my parents were like hey it's far away this is in queens yeah. because i we, we were living in long island so it was a 45 minute drive in yeah. to take these classes and then we got on the performance team and we were just going all around queens and you know i remember performing in all kinds of We'd, we would take performance gigs anywhere. Yeah, you know, like it was like I remember there was like a rainy, wet pavement parking lot underneath a drippy, Ooh. dirty garage, like under a bridge. 
in a hospital parking lot. We took that gig once. Uh, we performed in Chase Stadium. We did one for Lincoln Center once. Um, and this was all like throughout high school. So I didn't have a social life at all. Like I had friends, but I didn't like hardly ever like went out. Um, so that was one way to keep us out of trouble is just keep us really busy. Um, and then years later, my sister got into it a little bit. She dabbled in it as well. But um, yeah, so my parents were like, listen, it's really far, but if you want to commit to this, like, you know, but you might have to give give up the going to Kempo because we can't do both. And, uh, and we're just quite, kind of, yeah. it, it, can get, it can get very pricey. Um, and uh, we felt we were ready to connect more to our like Chinese roots. And we felt it was the right time to to move on. And even though I didn't get my black belt at that point, I kind of didn't really care about the belt anymore. Yeah. Um, and I just, I knew that this was the right move for us. And I'm glad I went, you know, and I, I was, here's the thing. I was honestly never really good at it. I didn't live the life. I didn't have the mentality of a true martial artist. I was very much more of a hobbyist. Um, but when it came time to do, join the show on Kung Fu, like I, it's not so much I was like good, but like I was familiarized so I've seen monks break bricks over their heads. I've seen all kinds of beautiful, like tiger style, snake style, praying mantis. I've seen, you know, Shao Hongchan. Like I've seen, I, I, I know what it looks like. I know what Shaolin staff looks like, you know? So um, uh, that was very helpful in mm -hmm. learning the choreo. And so when we, when we did our little Kung Fu camp at the beginning of the pilot, and then we, when we did the, restart when we came back uh in the fall mm -hmm. after in the midst of the pandemic again we had a little miniature kung fu boot camp and i think the coordinators were were kind of relieved to know like oh wait, okay eddie is familiar like we don't have to worry about him um yeah. and i was so they so they i got to do a little uh, quite a bit of my own fighting thankfully and then there was there was quite a few things that my double ken doe who's phenomenal um there's some things that he had to do and you know whether it be for time or for for danger um you know ken will fill in on those and uh i didn't hear tai chi uh in that repertoire but uh you had to uh you had tai to chi i had to learn um yeah so my background is mostly uh the the, the kempo the shaolin kung fu i dabbled in a couple of weapons at the time um so i could i have some i could do flowers with the with the with, with, with any kind of two-handed weapon whether it be sticks yeah. or broadswords or tiger hooks mm -hmm. like it's the same movement like yeah. It, for for performance like if you can get down the basic sort of rotation fo like this way and then the reverse and then the different kinds of whatever and you, if you can do that with a short stick you can carry that over to any kind of blade weapon or a longer like it, it translates the translation ability is very um is very high a very high percentage um yeah so that's like the kind of the basis you need um for, for, for the listeners out there um and then i, I had a, a grappling background a lot of uh, throughout middle school and high school, I wrestled and then like I dabbled. I did uh, club wrestling in college and I did after college, I got into Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and Muay Thai. So very much like real world practical, like yeah. you like, oh, I could try to throw a kick at you. But if I were to, you or you could throw a kick at me, but if I were to just hug you and take you to the ground, your kicks count for nothing. And, right. and that's 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 the percentage of most fights that's in real life. That's how it goes down, which is why. In mixed martial arts in the UFC, that's why you see for those who don't know what the hell you were watching, that's why you see so many these guys laying on top of each other, because that's how you neutralize a striking attack. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I spent a lot of time in post college in my in my twenties, spending more time with like contact, dabbling in, in that kind of stuff. Um, and then so when it came time to do kung fu, it was 
it was it really felt amazing because I got to reconnect with my roots and my, my I felt like I was connecting with my culture, my mark, my kung fu background, and it just it all just felt good inside. So is Henry, did they tell you like, okay, uh, Henry is teaching the Yun style of Tai Chi uh, in, the, in the center because um, we saw a video of uh, Gary Daniels doing the Chen style, uh, which he just kind of, they, they did just a little part before they cut away in the actual mm -hmm. uh, uh, scene, but did they tell you, okay, you know, this is Yan, this is what- No, they, did, they didn't actually, they gave me a quick crash course uh, in Tai Chi. They gave me some basic, um, what, what, so this is the thing that I had to let go of. I had to let go of being like, oh my God, I have to learn the perfect original form as it is taught in schools. Mm -hmm. And and then they were kind of like, nah, here's here's really what it is. It's like, you take pieces of it, you take the flourish of it, and then you just kind of make it your own. And like, you know, it's, we don't have to go strictly gospel in terms of like what, in terms of anybody's particular Kung Fu curriculum. Like we're not, we're not doing that. You know, yeah. there's a lot of that. You see a lot of that in, in television adaptation of any kind of style of or martial arts curriculum. We're, we're we're kind of we're borrowing little bits and putting it together. Yeah. And um, there's a there's a there's a there's a fun to that. There's a there's a liberty to that. There's a there's a freedom to that. Um, but for the purists, though, you'll see you you'll recognize some things. Is it exactly yeah. what you would have learned with your thing in that place that you went to? Maybe not, but it it's reminiscent of that. That's we're communicating the idea and the culture of it rather than the textbook yeah. uh, routine of it. No, that's, that's that's the most important thing. Again, you know, Bruce was yeah. talking about that all the time. It's pick things that are yours and continue <clears throat> evolving. You know, don't yeah. don't don't be rigid. Be fluid. Uh, exactly. So very very cool. And then Olivia, uh, Olivia and you have been uh, friends. So then you got. What were there any? Uh, I'm assuming, right? In in any show. You know, you go through the process of auditioning and then you get to chemistry reads and all the other stuff. Did they have you and Olivia do a chemistry read or they already knew that you knew each other and that kind of played in your favor? I don't think they knew that we knew each other. Um, okay. It just worked. It all just worked out. Like a lot of things uh, that a lot of occurring things about the making of Kung Fu and the way that we came together was a lot of things just worked out nice. magically. And um, is it Kismet? Kismet. Yeah. yeah, like happy accent, serendipity, a lot of serendipity, a lot of um, the universe aligning, a lot of the stars aligning, a lot of a lot of uh, that was a recurring thing for us. Um, and then a lot of uphill battles and a lot of uh, obstacles along the way, of course. But but many things that needed to align did align. Um, and I, I, as I've gotten older, I, I used to hate hearing people tell me, "Hey, don't worry, it's all going to work out. Just trust that it's all going to work out." I used to hate that because I, I I'd be afraid to be wrong. Or like it's almost like I was wanting to be right, my mm. in my in my pessimism or my realisticness about um, the way something's gonna go, especially when it comes to being a, an actor auditioning for something, mm. and you know wondering if you're gonna get it or not. Like all that stuff, I think coincides. But um, we didn't do. It's kind of surprising that we didn't do any chemistry reads. Mm. Um, but Olivia and I were in contact with each other in the auditioning process. She at the time was in Atlanta just shooting Legacies and she tapes for it while she's in Atlanta and then she doesn't find out that she's gonna screen test or she did find out she was gonna screen test while she was still there. So she has to fly back home and then go through that whole process herself. I, w I was going through it like almost maybe a week or ahead of her in, in the okay. schedule. I think they were still looking for the Nikki's 
separately like so every character kind of is almost on their own timeline depending on how much progress they're making in finding the all the choices because mm -hmm. eventually they have to bring as many people as they can depending on what round you're in um yeah. to screen test at at network and studio so um they had found a bunch of nikki's they tested them they knew they wanted to keep looking and olivia was still in atlanta at the time and then the, and then it came time for her to come back here and test mm -hmm. and then that's how it worked out but yeah, no, we were texting each other, like, how did it go in there? What was it like? Who did you see? How was the room? You know, yeah. and for me at this point, I'd gotten very cozy testing at Warner Brothers because I had tested for them before, the year before on other, on other stuff. So I, so the whole like th wanting to throw up before you go in the room, uh, uh, that feeling wasn't, was gone. Okay, that's good. Because I've been through that, that like, I'm like, okay, this, this built my auditioning muscles tenfold. Yeah. Yeah, because you, you're walking into those rooms and you're like, yeah, I know who's been here and I know who works here and I know what they produce here. Yeah, you can. Yeah, it's easier said than done that you can't think about any of that because we do. We exactly. Do. And thankfully, everybody, especially Warner Brothers, like it's a very it's always a warm anybody who ever gets the opportunity to test with them. It's it's a warm environment, you know, there's, there's uh, Peter Roth and Tim. Oh, my God, I forgot. Uh, but they're the heads of television over there and television casting. And they're just they're They are suits, so to speak. Um, but they're very supportive and like everybody's rooting for you. You know, that's the thing about auditioning is like they're not it's not you versus them. You know, no. it's that that's um, not the correct alignment of it's not the you got to tweak your mentality there on, on what that process is. Yeah, it's coming it's, in and it's you, the actor coming in and sharing your take on the character and bringing it alive for them to enjoy. And the more that you get to present and perform and enjoy that, revel in that, the, the, the better it is for everybody, actually. It is. It just makes things easier. And I think a lot of the actors, you, you start booking once you realize that you're not there to impress them. You're there to give your take on the character. And if they see you as the character in those circumstances, then maybe it's going to work. Otherwise, don't worry about it. Because if you did a exactly. good job, then maybe you for something else. So. Exactly. And they'll remember you. They, they, they will remember the good actors. Um, that doesn't mean that, that you are promised a, a, an opportunity right around the corner. But like they love it when an actor comes in, is a pro, knocks it out of the park, part, park, is the part. And even if it doesn't work out, like they fucking love that. I had a, a teacher of mine, uh, Sarah Mornell, gave me some great advice that that I carried with me into these uh, testing rooms for I did three studio tests back to back to back all in the span of like five six weeks in 2019 and that's mm -hmm. sort of what mentally prepared me for 2020 when i auditioned for kung fu because for mm -hmm. me auditioning and testing for kung fu i think a part of it was already i was already very much like the part in a lot of ways like i'm already like way too much like henry actually it's kind of funny um because but going into the room again yeah they keep yeah it's a recurring like everybody knows we i know um i, I know um uh but 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 going into that room i was so mentally prepared like i built my auditioning muscles like i said and um what sarah teaches is especially when you're testing because you're in that room full of suits but what we were talking about before is that these people got to know that they can trust that that you can handle the budget of, of x amount of millions of dollars per episode on your back that you're not going to come in and crumble at the plate like this is the big leagues. This is this is this is the Olympics. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So her, what she teaches is, you come in. Yes, all that stuff about being the character and being grounded and making truthful 
real choices and bringing the character to life and lifting the words off the page. All that aside, what, what the screen test is, is you are basically a late night talk show guest. You're bringing the best version of yourself. If you make them laugh somewhere along the way, great, but they want to know that they like you and that they can trust you and that this is a professional who can also very much do the job. Because especially when it comes time for like doing the press tours and all that stuff and you know, do interviews and it's like we 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 um we romanticize the artist, you know, the 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 tormented, dark, brooding artist. Um but when it comes time to book a job or whatever, that's not always the the exact winning recipe. As far as that's not for, for not for everybody, not in, in, in all contexts. Like that's not the lead foot that works for me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I oh. I think I learned early on that I'm I'm really good in the room because I know that I I have a I get along with people. Mm-hmm. It's not that you have to small talk or any kind of thing like that. It's just are people gonna like you enough and trust you to do the job? That's a, that's a huge part of it. It's the energy. People feel it. You don't have to say anything. It's uh, once you walk into the room, they everybody gets a feeling, and that's really what it's about. And you know, yeah, uh, you're you're likable. Yeah, you're you're a likable guy. You're a serious guy, and you're a fun guy. So when you're walking in, they're they're feeling that. And if yeah. you can deliver, then everything else is is a bonus. Um, yeah. I, I wanted to ask you because I asked Gavin that same thing. The whole, uh, you know, Nikki, you have six smiles. I'm like, thank you for that uh, better reference to uh, what a date with Ted Hamilton. Damn, uh, Ted Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, I immediately, that's the first thing that came to mind. But I was, I was paying attention. Which smile to do I have now? What? Yeah. Exactly. You said I have six smiles, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, well, I had better writers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which. So uh, when I was paying attention, like the first two or three episodes uh, of of watching Nikki, because I haven't uh, of watching Olivia, because I haven't seen her before, now uh, and I'm watching her. I'm like her smile, not always, but her smile is so familiar to me. I know the smile. Where do I know it from? And then I figured it out. Her one of her sixth smiles is Zoe Saldana's smile. Zoe Saldana. Oh, yeah. okay. Let me. I'm, I want to go back and look. This is this is interesting. Zoe Saldana, I have a I have a smi- I have a very minor connection, which is that my cousin went to high school with her in Queens. That's that's my connection to Zoe Saldana. Yeah, I I haven't had her on the show. Zoe, if you're watching, please come on down. Uh, same thing to Olivia. By the way, I think I I invited Olivia, so come on down so we can talk uh, about your smile. Yeah, come on down. It's a good time. Yeah. Yeah, this, um, is a, this is an interesting observation. Okay, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna dig into this further. So take a look because I, I it's one of my superpowers. I know you know who looks like who. Uh, it's it's that thing that I've noticed about myself. But I know yeah. for sure that that is you know that smile is a match. So I want to know if anybody else has noticed that or not. So I I told you first. Okay. All right. Good. Uh, yep. When you chat with Olivia, please tell her to uh, to look up Zoe and uh, and see if uh, she sees the smile. I will. I will. Okay. Very cool. Uh, as we wrap up, because uh, I I know you're busy and you and I could talk for another hour uh, easily about all sorts of uh, stuff. 
what? Yeah, and, I, and I'm very, I'm very long-winded, as you can tell. So if there are any rapid-fire things that I can address, uh, 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 I'd be happy to as well. Dude, you're, you know, I'm long-winded. People constantly tell me to shut up, and it's all about the guest and not me, which <laughs> I agree with and I disagree. Uh, but anyway, so in terms of, in terms of season two, by the way, congratulations. Um, Thank you. I don't want to ask you about the stuff that's coming up because, like I told you, as an actor, I don't want to know. I want to right. see. I want to find out myself. Right. I, I have some ideas of where it's going, but what would you like for Henry to um, to do? Whether it's you know towards the end of this or whether it's in season two, like what is the arc that you see for Henry? Yeah, um, kind of what he's. I want to see more of what he's already been doing, which is like being maximizing the potential in being at Nikki's side and being supportive, whether that is on the sidelines or, and not throwing punches or getting in the thick of it, which I will tease right now that there will be more to come of yeah. that. Um, you know, things will get more intense and we're going to, we're going to find out new revelations that the treasure hunt is going to grow. Um, what I love about Henry and, and about playing him is that I get to explore those things. I get to be in the thick of the hunt. And when things get hot, as far as like throwing fisticuffs, like Henry can take care of himself too. And um, so I want to, I just want to keep seeing more of that. I'd love to explore Henry's background a little bit more. Maybe, maybe the crowds that he used to roll with um, his friends from back in the day. Um, there's a whole underbelly that you can, there's a, there's a wealth of opportunity there to explore with where these people come from. You know, and Henry is a, is a man of, 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 of San Francisco and the Bay and, and Chinatown. And um, yeah, I, that, that, that's, that's something for me that I'd love to see. And I, I want to keep seeing him. I, I, I have so much fun. Like Henry's a fun guy. And, and where, even where there are moments where fun isn't really written, like I can't help myself but inject that in there. Yeah. Uh, and the way that things are going, I mean, uh, obviously, we know that Nikki's going to fight uh, Jalan. Um, you know, that's 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 their trajectory, and maybe. they just set up. Maybe, maybe not. And they just set up. They just set up Henry's trajectory. So Henry is supposed to be fighting Ludi Lib. That they just did that. So whether it's going to happen or not, but that's the way that I'm kind of seeing. Like, okay, I would like to see that fight. That's an interesting that's a strong fight. Strong theory. I like that's a strong theory. I will not. Uh, this is me, not me answering. That's me merely observing. That's uh, I like yeah. where your head's at. Yeah, uh, that's that's kind of where, where I saw it because I'm a fan of uh, Ludi Lin as well. Uh, I was well, surprised yeah. to see him. Like, wait, he, wasn't he great in Mortal Kombat? Like, he was like the character come to life. Like, they, they that shit just much. I know, I know. Oh. They, he, I know. I, I hey, I'm with you on that. Um, but I will say, as far as the casting and his performance yeah. of it, like. It was great. He was spot on. He was great. Um, and then last thing, and this is this is kind of the the acting with the kung fu with uh, with other stuff uh, coming in because it's just interesting to me because you and Olivia know each other, uh, and because you've been friends, and now you're playing love interests. Uh, by the way, mad respect to uh, to Henry saying, "Hey, let's pause. You may have feelings to somebody else." I respect that. Uh, but anyway, in, in terms of in terms of you and Olivia, because you know each other, is it how, like, there has to be obviously that separation. And as actors, we do uh, we do segment really well. But is it weird because you know somebody and you're friends and now you have to be love interest? Does it feel yeah. weird? Or yeah, it's it fucking weird. weird. Yeah, it is. Okay. No, we laugh and we, um, 
we've watched some episodes together and there was that what was it, episode four where they kissed for the first time. She was hiding behind a bush plant inside the living room when we watched that scene together. I was curled mm-hmm. up in the ball. She's literally like hiding behind because she's so awkward about it. I'm laughing. I'm cringing at I'm like, I'm kind of like, well, I've gotten better at watching myself do that stuff on camera. Like that doesn't really phase me all that much because I can separate mm-hmm. it on a professional level, but I'm like laughing mm-hmm. at her. So like her her reaction to this shit is just it's a gas. Um it's it's funny for us to laugh at the the, the but that's how we we were both um very jokey people. Yeah. She is probably the most chaotic person on set to be around and <laughs> but um no, she's got such a great sense of I I think and that's something that I don't know if the audience picks up on in terms of like Olivia's really really funny. I don't know if you because Nikki is such a serious earnest character and she's like the hero and she has to be a hero so much but olivia's hilarious um so we just we we just laugh through it and um it's it's great like it, it, that's it's kind of like as awkward as it is to do that stuff with your with your friends um you know it's kind of like we're having a good time doing it i did not know that until i went on your instagram and then i saw a bunch of stuff that uh, the behind the scenes i'm like oh my god olivia is a riot She's uh, an absolute riot. People don't, I don't know if you know that from watching, just from watching Kung Fu, but yeah. No. So uh, I thought Olivia would be a real fun person to uh, to hang out with. Uh, yeah, she's just Very cool. Well, listen, but it's it's so nice to talk to you. I'm very happy that uh, you found time in your busy schedule, which I appreciate. To, Thank uh, you for having me. This is great. I loved, I loved uh, uh, yeah, I mean, just the, the platform and the format of the show and the, the way we get to just have a chat about for me i kind of know olivia and i olivia is like this too she and i we never get tired of talking about the business like we we love it for all of its uh hoopla and all of its positives and a lot of negatives there's a lot of crap that goes on in the industry and um but one thing and i just had this conversation with a friend of mine who's a stylist and she was we were talking about publicists and the industry and hollywood and one thing you can't say no matter how much it rewards you or punishes you or hurts you or screws you over it is not boring. It is not boring. There's <laughs> never a dull freaking moment. There yeah. may be things that are, there may be trivial things that are overblown, yeah. but once you start, there's so much like gossip and crap and dirt and muck and stuff behind the, behind the scenes. And like, you know, especially living in a town like LA, like I work, I, I worked in West Hollywood. You know, I, I, a lot of my clients at the gym are, are, are in the business. And so you just hear all kinds of shit. Uh, yeah. Even though, like, I'm not, I'm not that. I'm not up there. You know what I mean, like, uh, but like, even as like a no name, like, up and coming, like, aspiring actor, I still, you're privy to hearing this stuff, and it's like, whoa, didn't know so and so was like that. Uh, yeah. Once, once we, once we get done, I'll tell you some of the things that I heard that blew my mind that I had no idea even existed in the business. But uh, yep. okay. Anyway. Yep. Uh, thank you so much for joining us and uh, thanks to everybody for tuning in to another episode of Let's Dive In. We just had fun with Eddie. Please go check out CW's Kung Fu. You will not regret it. Right below the screen. Bye, everybody.